Would you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, our rock and redeemer. Amen. Living with passion. Life sometimes feels overwhelming. Whether it's the tedious aspects of a job or the monotonous practices required by a hobby or a sport, or even the difficult disciplines of Lent, we can eventually become overburdened while trying to meet all the expectations that are placed upon us by others as well as ourselves. According to a recent 2022 Harris Poll sponsored by the American Psychological Association, Americans in general are experiencing high levels of stress for various reasons, and it's wearing us down. 70% of the respondents didn't feel people in the government cared about them. 64% felt their rights were under attack. And 83%, of course, are feeling stress by the economic inflation that we're all experiencing. The consequences of these stressors are significant. 27% of the respondents reported that most days they feel so stressed they can't even function. This is particularly significant when broken down by age. 51% of men between the ages of 18 and 34 reported they are completely overwhelmed by stress. And 62% of women in the same category felt the same way. This recent poll indicates that most of the young adults in our society are completely overwhelmed by stress. A situation that can lead to despondency and lethargy as people lose hope in the possibility of a better future. As you might imagine, the exiled Israelites had even deeper feelings of helplessness and hopelessness about 2,500 years ago when they were conquered by the Babylonians and forced to leave their homeland. One of those forced to migrate to Babylonia was Ezekiel, the prophet a respected prophet from Judea. His earlier writings focused on warning the Israelites to repent from their sinful ways or expect to experience tragedy if they did not. And after the nation encountered the tragedy of being conquered and exiled, Ezekiel's writings took a sense of hope and encouragement. It's from this later period of Ezekiel's writings that we find today's passage. In this passage, there is a message of renewed life that God brings forth out of the depths of death and destruction. In a beautiful interplay of words, the Spirit of God brought Ezekiel to a valley filled with dead, dry bones that are revived, first with flesh and then with breath. Now keep in mind the word for breath, spirit, and, and wind all these words in Hebrew are ruach. So let's look at this passage together, look, considering ruach as the, the same word for these, these different English interpretations. So first of all, it is the spirit or ruach of the Lord that brought Ezekiel out to the valley of the dead bones. When questioned by God whether it's possible for the bones to experience life again, 
Ezekiel only indirectly answers, saying, O Lord God, you know. Presumably, he had never witnessed such an event before, but he was reluctant to tell God what could not and what could be done. As impractical as it may sound, Ezekiel wisely let God determine what's possible and what isn't. Then God said to Ezekiel, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. I will lay sinews on you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. Notice that God didn't directly command the bones to come to life. Instead, God decided to work through Ezekiel to make it happen. God often does work through others in order to carry out God's plan. Also note that the intention expressed by God was to let those who had, been, who had, received, who had received renewal understand that they were not alone. God was present, and the presence of God is consequential. Of course, Ezekiel obeyed by prophesying to the bones. And sure enough, the bones rattled and then started coming together, and, and sinews appeared on them, followed by flesh and skin. Eventually, there was a multitude of bodies with flesh and skin, but they were all essentially still dead. There was no breath or ruach in them. But perhaps we could just as easily say there was no spirit, also ruach, in them. Next, the Lord commanded Ezekiel to prophesy to the breath, saying, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, mortal, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain that they may live. Again, Ezekiel complied, and the bodies came to life. This passage concludes with an explanation of the vision that God gave to Ezekiel. God told Ezekiel that the bones represented the people of Israel who had lost all hope, who felt there was nothing left to look forward to in their lives. But God had not forgotten them. God commanded Ezekiel this time to prophesy to the depressed, the hopeless people of Israel who experienced tragic suffering through the experience of exile. God said to the Israelites through this prophet, You shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people. I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place you on your own soil. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken and will act, says the Lord. I think this is really the same message that God has for the followers of his son today. In our second passage this morning, read from the Gospel of John, we hear of another story where God raises the dead. But there are distinct differences in this version. In the Gospel story, it's not a prophet, but the Son of God who raises the dead. And the event is not confined to the imagination of one man. There are multiple witnesses. 
Lazarus, described as one of Jesus' beloved friends, was seriously ill. So his sisters, Mary and Martha, sent a message to Jesus asking for his help. But Jesus decided not to come immediately. He waited another two more days before starting to journey back to Bethany, where Mary, Martha, and Lazarus had lived. As Jesus eventually approached the village, he learned that Lazarus' body had already been in a tomb for four days. One of the sisters, Martha, came out to meet him, and she said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. When Jesus told her that her brother would rise again, she replied, I know that he will rise in the resurrection in the last day. Martha seemed to want to have hope, but she didn't know just how much hope was reasonably possible. She acknowledged that God would give Jesus whatever he asked, but she didn't seem to consider the restoration of her brother's life a plausible request. Like the prophet Ezekiel, Martha didn't know if Jesus could restore life, but she didn't want to deny that possibility either. After her conversation with Jesus, Martha returned to her sister, Mary, to let her know that Jesus was nearby. And when Mary heard the news, she ran out to meet him. And when she found him again, she dropped to her knees and exclaimed, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, along with all the other Jews who had come to console them, he was deeply moved. And he also began to weep. Instead of informing him that he had purposefully waited an extra couple of days so that he could raise Lazarus from the dead, he simply asked to be shown the tomb where Lazarus was laid. And when Jesus came to the tomb, which was a cave with a rock covering the entrance, he was still greatly disturbed. He asked them to take away the stone, the stone at the entrance of the cave. But Martha hesitated, reminding Jesus that Lazarus had been dead for four days, and there was a stench. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So she relented. She didn't seem to know exactly what was possible, but she trusted that Jesus would somehow be able to make this tragic situation into something wonderful. When they took away the stone, Jesus looked up and said out loud, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here, so that they may believe that you sent me. Then he called for Lazarus to come out of the cave. When Lazarus appeared at the cave entrance, bound in burial cloth, Jesus told them to release his bindings so that he could return to his family, revived, restored, and renewed. Sometimes we also need to be revived when we find ourselves devoid of hope. When the stresses of this world build up to the point that we feel like a lifeless body that has no breath or spirit or ruach, we might not know what God can possibly do for us. 
There are a few lessons that we can glean from the stories, both from Ezekiel and Lazarus at times like this. First, we should assume to not to assume to know the limits of God's power. Although we may not understand exactly how God works in the world, we should never assume that anything is impossible for God. If we live bounded by our own perceived possibilities rather than being open to the impossibilities made viable by God, we will miss the chance to witness true miracles. Secondly, we must work with God. Just as God worked through Ezekiel to bring life to the dead bones, we must be willing to answer the calling that God gives us and be willing to accept the support that others offer us. The solution to our hopeless situation may come from an unexpected source, like a stranger who just offers advice that we need. Or to come from a professional caregiver, such as a therapist or a doctor. God often works through others, so it's important for us to cultivate an attitude of humility that makes us open to following God's call, as well as listening to God's voice in those around us. And finally, both stories remind us of the importance of acknowledging the presence of God in our lives. God gave new life to the dry bones in Ezekiel's vision so that God's people would know that the Lord speaks and acts on their behalf. Likewise, Jesus delayed going to the assistance of Lazarus and Bethany so that he would have the opportunity to demonstrate both his relationship with God and his love for those who follow him. When Martha expressed doubt about what Jesus could do for her brother who had died four days earlier, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Jesus endured the cross as an expression of God's love for us and as a means of restoring our relationship with God. God wants us to know that God is with us, and God loves us, regardless of the circumstances that we find ourselves in. So on this fifth Sunday of Lent, I invite you to be open to all the ways that God is present and working in the world. When life seems hopeless, know that you are never alone. God is with you, and there is nothing impossible for God. We may not be able to quickly fix the issues of socioeconomic disparity or injustice that take place in this world, but we can be certain that God hears our cries and is ready to breathe new life into our souls when we ask for help. We take a moment and pray for those who need the emergency services in this hour. When we acknowledge God's presence and cultivate our relationship with Christ, we can find a new hope that allows us to live with deeper and greater passion. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.